0: Hi, I'm Daniel Burkholder, and this is Act React, a podcast exploring improvisation through conversations with remarkable artists. And today in this episode, it's a really special conversation I get to have with my friend and colleague Maria Gillespie. Maria and I have known each other for about seven years, ever since I joined the faculty here at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, where she is also on faculty. We've also had the opportunity and pleasure to perform with one another a couple of times, first in an ongoing series called Real Time, which was initiated by my wife, Andrea Burkholder, and kind of curated by she and I over two years. I've also performed with Maria in Hyperlocal, her uh, ongoing kind of improvisational performance series with dancers and musicians. But this is the, really the first time we've taken just this amount of time to just talk a little bit more in depth about improvisation and certainly focusing on her approach to how she thinks of improvisation, both within her teaching work and her performing work. So it's really good to, to kind of dig into that with her. Before we jump into the conversation, I'm just gonna read a little bio to kind of introduce you to her more fully. Maria Gillespie is a choreographer, performer, dance and somatic educator. She is a CLMA Laban Bartini Movement Analyst and directs MG, The Collaboratory and Hyperlocal MKE, dedicated to interdisciplinary collaboration in improvised performance practice. She developed the community teaching project parts of the whole, sharing kinesthetic learning and expressive experiences with youth impacted by the carceral system to strengthen communities. Gillespie founded and directed LA-based ONI Dance from 2003 to 2015 and was named one of Dance Magazine's 25 to Watch. Her work has been presented nationally and internationally at venues, including the Ford Amphitheater, the Getty Museum, Red Cat, UCLA, CalArts, the Fowler Museum, Highways Performance Space, Joyce Soho, and Counterpulse. Gillespie has performed and taught in Beijing, Tokyo, and Mexico City. She teaches dance at UW-Milwaukee, and in, 19, and in 2019 received the 2019 award for Excellence in Undergraduate Teaching. So that's a little bit about Maria, and now you can jump into the conversation and find out a little bit more about her improvisational practice. Enjoy. Well good morning Maria and thank you so much for joining me on Act React this morning.
1: Good morning. Thank yeah. you for asking me to be here.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. It's it's so great. We've been colleagues now for for a number of years and you know, we've we've improvised together and performed a little bit here and there and we've seen each other's work but I'm excited to kind of dig in this morning and and hear more of your thoughts about improvisation and how that is kind of interwoven into your to your work and, and maybe your life a little bit. Cool. Yeah. So the first question I kind of, or a variation of the first question I always ask is, so currently right now, um, mm-hmm. how does improv show up in the work that you're doing?
1: How does it not show up? That's <laughs> the question, right? So it's, it's, right now it's showing up in, my creative process for making a dance um, with uh, on two projects. One is with the students here at UWM, and um, that that I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the sort of phases and folds that improvisation has in the creative process. Where in the beginning, it's it's really an open field, and then it becomes setting some material, and then working with that known material until it becomes unknown again and then the piece gets structured and then it's sort of improvising with structure and then it's with music. So I'm I'm, I'm liking that improvisation has a, its iterations or permutations throughout that creative process phase, um, even in what will become a set choreography. There's room and I don't even question it that there's space for improvised moments within that set structure. And I guess it's also showing up in my appreciation in trusting the students that I'm working with to live with that and to find themselves in that process um, of improvising. And, and that's really exciting um, to me to see that, and to trust them with a performance that's improvised or sections that's improvised. Um, so that's how it's showing up in that realm uh, with, the, with the student project. And in another piece that I'm just starting to develop is um, a video, a media piece, and a collaboration sort kind of a long distance project between three different artists, myself and two collaborators, Kevin Williamson and Wen Wen. And um, we're going to be working on solo material um, that's improvised and recording ourselves in the world and working through different landscapes. and. Um, that's going to be a really interesting experience for me because I'm used to working in solo improvisational forms, even in recording and media, but it's not out in the world. It's always been in a, in a, even in a site specific or site responsive space, an indoor space where there's a zone or a container where people go, this is where we watch things. So, and I know you've done a lot of work out in the environment, um and that's that's going to be a new endeavor for me so i'm excited a little nervous but also feel trusting in my my practice with improvisation to be the the known in that unknown even though improvisation is a, sp- a space for not knowing for me it's also a place where i do find myself knowing at least somatically um so i think that that's that's how it's showing up is it will be a, a stable structure for me to work with and in unknown environment. I'm going to be filming hopefully in Coleman, Texas, and close to the US Mexican border, doing some location there and just some some autoethnographic moving and thinking.
0: Great. Uh, So I I want to kind of go back like something you taught you said about working with the students of starting really within this open field of improvisation to start exploring what this work is that you're developing could you kind of talk through a little bit what does that what does that look like how does that manifest itself in those first couple rehearsals what are you kind of on the ground what are you doing with the students what kind of directions or forms or scores are you giving that kind of stuff
1: um we were working it's a great question and it's um it's different every time and this time uh the work is about what um, how movement is an inscription in our body and playing with or i guess a little bit mystified by how that's often not legible to the outside to viewers um that knowledge whether that's sort of dna information or if that's muscle memory and fascial memory or um just somatic curiosities often that's those are things that are not seen. So we're working with um, sort of tracking impulses in the body and how to make them visual through drawing. So we didn't start with drawing, um, literally with charcoal on paper. We started thinking about how um, your movements are tracking uh, from the floor, from the skinosphere, from the body into the floor and then into space and finding some uh, continuity. Oftentimes when I, I think maybe at, a, at an early level, but certainly it, it's complex to think about how your trace forms or how your body's pathway through spatial pulls is sometimes interrupted with impact into gravity. And that's often a place where uh, I feel like through lines of tracking the body are. So we were really working with how our movements, our impulses from the interior, inner space, the inner sphere, are coming into the skinosphere and then into space and really playing with drawing with the body, imagining trace forms and imagining uh, tentacles from our limbs and how our movements that we were being, we're following impulses from inside become uh, manifested in the skinosphere. So that was sort of an original, I think the first week was looking at just what are the movements, the impulses and how do they land in space? And then it became a little bit more um, specific. We were looking at signatures and how movement signatures, but also how you sign your name yeah. and making a connection between a movement impulse or preference or default or affinity and to, as a movement signature. And playing with making material, so each of them set material based on uh, actually their name, the lettering of their name, and um, then some just some simple affinities. So we developed some set material from what those movement signatures were. Yeah, Here's a couple of examples.
0: So when you're making that transition from improvising to set material, is are you? Are you improvising for a while and then saying okay go set some stuff or are they really mining the improvisation specifically to like capture movements is that is it a direct or kind of like a translation from improvisation to set material.
1: That's a great question it's such a personal question for each person, (laughs) each individual, um, how they make how one makes it's a really beautiful question how one makes the spontaneous repeatable um and when i was guiding that process it was here's your prompt and go work with it for a while until things become attractive and an impulse that you repeat that you want to capture or noticing um what's curious um, or what's interesting that you notice yourself doing and i call them kinesthetic snapshots where I say, okay, if you notice something and you're curious about it, or it's an interesting place, so you find yourself slowing down there and asking questions, take a kinesthetic snapshot of that, and it kind of goes into your little collection, piggy bank of ideas or gestures or ways to be in the moment. Um, and then it becomes, um, you know, kind of stringing these together in some way that the students would do. Um, I did mm-hmm. did not do that for them. They put that, they authored that, Um, sequence of, or collections, which is a beautiful, really personal experience. I find the way that people, you know, do the sort of syntax of building a language in their body is, uh, I don't want to author that for for people. But then at this phase, at the end of the phase, it's like, then I go, "Mm, I'm going to move stuff around. But in the beginning, when it's very sort of raw and creative and um, personal, I like to let it just let them put their their sort of strand together
0: of yeah. ideas. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Um, and then you kind of also, uh, I just wanna kind of keep digging into this a little bit because I'm really curious about all mm-hmm. these ways that improvisation manifests itself. And, and often I think when we talk about it, we're talking specifically about the body making movements spontaneously, but you mm-hmm. also alluded to the fact of like the choreographic process as an improvisational process of like as each layer keeps revealing itself, you're continually improvising with how you're putting it together, how you're playing with the structure. And so I'm curious about that process and how you see the choreographic process as an improvisational process. Because that's at least what I was hearing you allude to to -hmm. a certain degree. I don't know if I was reading that totally right, but.
1: Yeah, I think you are. I didn't even think of that so clearly as you just said it. I was thinking about the different sort of permutations or behaviors that improvisation has throughout the process. But uh, weaving those different permutations of how improvisation, how I utilize it and how the students utilize it or collaborators utilize it, um, definitely has a kind of pathway, uh, an overarching structure. Um, and it's it's something I've been thinking about a lot with um, trusting myself. And the, this, I don't know, if it's this moment in my life or it's every moment and I just forget that I keep having these moments, <laughs> it's always new, um, is that I don't, I'm always second guessing. I'm, I'm constantly in an analytical state. And the analytical state is a great place. It's, it's where I get to kind of, you know, untangle theories that have become agreements or something that they've somehow become um, galvanized and permanent. And so um, I feel like when I'm making a work and I'm not really, uh, I kind of lost my point there. I was thinking about um, improvising and trusting myself and using, letting the rehearsal space, the creative process space, be a place where I can say yes to trusting my gut. And using it as a space to, to listen and, and, and be with and not always analyze my instincts. And I'm sort of trained to always, you know, analyze what I'm doing and criticize it and be um, hypercritical of myself. So I think that's what I've been saying yes to is, and when I do that with the students, it things flow. When I get out of my way and saying, is that the right space? Does it make sense there? Who hasn't had enough space? What's the right order? Who should dance now? Um, it feels like I'm wrestling with the work. And um, I feel like the improvis- improvisation process that's the overarching structure is me watching it and letting it run its course. and. And kind of steering it or pressing it a little bit, and trusting my gut, like actually being spontaneous. I think that's, I think that's what you are getting at, right? This, yeah.
0: I what is the so.
1: overarching structure? And it, for me, it's allowing freedom so that I can say yes to myself. And um, after a couple of years of being like hypercritical and reflecting in and reflecting in and pandemic, yes, and all these things that we're working through at work. Um, to actually say, you've got a lot, and and run with it and share it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, as as you're kind of describing that process, and this process of saying yes to your own kind of intuition, in a way, in the moment, is this idea that I often kind of sit with, is like, the intuitive is not kind of the reflexive, it's into intuition is based mm-hmm. on experience. It's not just based yeah. on like hardwiring, like response or right. a reaction. And right. that, with all that time that you did spend kind of being analytical, that you did spend kind of analyzing and thinking and maybe even criticizing, that you kind of created these muscles, these mental muscles that you now have this really strong base to be able to like let that go. Yeah. But you're not letting it go. It's just not like overwhelming the present moment. It's it's yeah. still all there, supporting that kind of intuition. And I think that a lot also of us, when we're like thinking about improvising physically, <clears throat> right? We're not just like responding with our kind of um, built-in responses. It's it's years of training. Yeah. To, to, to be in the moment, to respond physically, viscerally. Um, and that's why I think something I, I'm curious and maybe we'll jump there. I, I was thinking of bringing this up later, but I feel like this might be an interesting one to talk about how do you, so I'm gonna kind of shift a little bit and how do we think about training improvisation? Yeah. Cause I feel like that's something like, we've kind of had little conversations around that of like, how do you get students, especially undergrad students from this place even in four years to a place where they're really sophisticated improvisers. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like when you think about like working with students in this context, or even just like getting them ready to like perform improvisationally, like what are the things that you feel are necessary to offer or to cultivate or to develop?
1: Yeah. It's such an intense question for me right now daniel <laughs> i it's one of the places where i'm not trusting myself actually where i'm at a space and a place of <clears throat> um uh, wanting to interrupt my practice as the fold through which i impart knowledge to others like i'm actually could have a kind of meta moment that i don't know that that's the right thing to do <laughs> anymore uh, it, or for the next year whatever anymore turns into Um, and so before i get into the specifics or the sort of pedagogical experiences or ideas um i think i have to zoom out and say i want to i believe that i do have a lot of experience to offer as a sort of a template for students to learn improvisation and to train them and maybe ultimately i believe that improvisation as a as a physical practice for moving and learning moving in a collective space um is a place for unlearning things um and i feel like that's when i do that individually and i'm in a sort of a solo or a somatic space when i'm in my flow, my surrender state, i am um i am unlearning. i've been a space of not knowing. and it's a it's a very beautiful sublime sacred space. um and the when that leaves my container and enters a public space and uh, a social space and a shared environment that's where i feel like this the the important moments of teaching are how to convey what you're doing to someone else and without it being through language written or spoken and maybe sometimes it is because we write scores and we yell them out and you know that's a part of it too sometimes um so i feel like what i am most interested in and because I feel like improvisation is, a, is a, a sacred space of not knowing, not having to know. Um, what is important is when we become um, responsible with other people, um, creating environments, creating containers with other dancers or other musicians or performers of any kind. To That's where the lessons come in. That's where the, the tactics, the scores, the language, the practice, the theories, the negotiations come in is when it's involving um, other people. And that's, uh, I think that's where I work as a when I'm teaching improvisation, I feel like I can give lots and lots of space and scores and um, prompts for the solo working. And that's sort of an endless universe, right? Then the inside the body is an endless universe. And as soon as it becomes a relationship with a space and environment and a social environment and then a human, though, uh, I think that it's important to have specific guidelines for communication, for relating to and with. So those are the things that I think I'm working on a lot in teaching improvisation is how do you make um, something known to someone else? How do you read someone else? How do you respond? What are those skills? Um, I don't I don't have it like codified or figured out, but that's always the things that I'm talking through as I'm teaching, how we connect with our eyes or our voice and our movement, with our speed, with our intent um, to another dancer to make what our experiences, um, if not explicit, at least somewhat legible. So that a communication can happen, a call and response can happen. Yeah. I don't know if i
0: yeah, no, went off I was, on a tangent there. Oh, no, that was great. That was really, I mean, it's it's it was very kind of like meta in a way, right? Like just this this whole container that you're working with. And it makes sense because I'm I'm also, you know, the other thing I want to like get to is hyperlocal, of course, mm. and talk about that. But but I'm in this moment, I'm curious about and I guess maybe to acknowledge right now that my perspective when I think about improvisation is this modern postmodern contemporary somatic lineage yeah right And sure. um, And so when I'm working teaching and I have students who maybe have other lineages that they're bringing to it, the question is how much am I, teaching what i know without feeling like i'm completely disregarding what they know or mm-hmm. Im- just imposing this perspective and i mean sometimes when you when you go and study with a teacher that's what you, that's why you're studying with the teacher because you want to know what they know right mm-hmm. they're they're purposely you're pushing yourself out of what you know to explore what they know so there is that but at the same time acknowledging that there's different lineages of improvisation, movement, dance, improvisation, that have different goals and different desires embedded in them. And so my question, if I'm maybe leading to a question eventually here, is that like, how do you work with all of those different perspectives and like challenge them and honor them? And I know that's part of the mix. I know that's part of the like, ambiguous, unknowing, not knowing, probably state. But I'm curious, like any thoughts you have around that?
1: Yeah, a lot of thoughts about that. <laughs> um, and it does come up for me in hyperlocal too. Um, it comes up for me in the classroom. Um, where it doesn't, I mean, Forms are such an interesting thing. Like, I was thinking about this this morning and uh, kind of thinking about this conversation with you. And I was thinking to my forms, like where I come from and I looking at, uh, like trying to look back and where were the little uh, births of stars yeah, for improvisation in my physical work as a mover. Um, and those stars were born like, Ah, the knowledge in my body lit up when I did social practices, tango, salsa, and contact improvisation. And, and I don't mean to conflate those, um, you know, one is derived from a proscenium performance practice and, um, uh, and one is, you know, participatory practice and um, a social form. Um, and so, but I, what I was noticing about those is that they're very specific containers, very specific techniques, like uh, per interpersonal, physical, the physics of them are really specific. Um, but in diving into those specificities, even when they weren't my own, like going into you know Buenos Aires and studying there it's not I'm I'm not South American I'm not Argentine this is not mine but I went in to learn how to I talk about this sometimes in class it's um it's like a teacup learning to make a teacup there's a lot of different ways to make a lot of different teacups but this is the way that this group makes this teacup so practice it um and it really helped me when I embraced a singular form, uh, and there's a lot of other forms that we've all practiced, but I'm just speaking about these because they're improvisational. Uh, It helped me understand the um, through lines and the connecting points between multiple forms so that I can make those or highlight those to my students when I am teaching from my postmodern dance lineage. Uh, So I think I'm trying to make a link. trying to get to your question, how do I do that in class, is making it about the, um, trying to make the compositional decisions less about the frame. Um, And I do love making compositional decisions about the frame, like that's exciting to me, Um, but I'm trying to more often make the, share ways to make compositional decisions um about the relationship to the person or the music i feel like that's another thing is there's been a a divorce between you know and from the postmodern lineage between music and and dance and that they are you know there's some attempt at democracy <clears throat> with that um but that's totally problematic too and trying to make a space to be with the music um to respond to the music as a as an impulse for communication. So that's another piece that I'm working with in teaching improvisation too. Whereas I look back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I would have said, no, we're not dancing with music. And I've just alienated half my students. You know what I mean? So it's actually, there's a piece about, you know, um, culturally relevant pedagogy, but then there's a piece about actually, how do you welcome a relationship between people and, participating and sharing music and moving together is the way that I first enjoyed improvisation. <laughs> Salsa and tango. It's like, oh, right. We're dancing to the music together. And that's, um, something I'm really just trying to own and recognize. And so I know some students when I kind of think about, okay, put on my teacher hat, um, might they feel not just comfortable, but they feel alive. They feel inspired. They feel connected and joyful, and that's a much better place to start than um, now. I have to dance, and I don't know improvisation. And they just turned off the music. Like that's horrible. <laughs> that's a horrible <laughs> environment to be in um, if it's not what you wake up for breakfast eating every day. You know, so um, I think I'm trying to make space for for music and um, interpersonal relationships in class, but also in Larger frameworks too.
0: Yeah, so maybe that's that. That, that was. I think you kind of capture that really beautifully. That whole kind of mix and process and challenge of of all of that. And so, and as you alluded to, that relates to your work with hyperlocal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe you could we could just take a minute here as a little like sidebar of because mm-hmm. I want to come back to this issue in a so- moment, but. For people that might be listening to this that haven't been to a hyper local performance, what is hyper
1: Okay, great. Um, it's changing. <laughs> That's <laughs> what it is. Um, it is evolving. Hyper local. I can talk about where it came from and what its initiate. What initiated it was uh, not being from Milwaukee and um my collaborators were always out of state i performed out of state i rehearsed out of state i went home a lot because you know my family is not here so uh i would come back and i was like well what do i what do i do i need to make i need to make that family here and so i needed a, a some kind of organizing structure for Performing and I needed it to be about making it here and doing it here. And so the, the term hyperlocal is kind of connoting a structure where something is made and consumed in the same space, where it's not brought in, it's not imported and exported, and there's not an exchange and it's very low stakes. Um, so the people that are designing it or the people creating it or the people sharing it uh and i also needed a place to be in conversation through improvisation i just i needed to create a a sort of family um where i could improvise and be with other people who improvise and think through things together um so it was really um uh, a a, an attempt to give me a uh, a project to be at home here in milwaukee um something to come home to, if you will. And uh, I also just love performing with people and improvising those performances with people. So it was a very low stakes way of saying, hey, we're gonna come in, we're gonna do something. You don't have to do anything. You have to show up and you have to bring your practice. You know, And here's three things we're gonna try to do in the next 50 minutes. And so that's where it came from. Uh, And I started it with Tim Russell who is uh, director of music at UW Madison now, but was here for several years as our music director. And he's an amazing composer and percussionist. And um, we worked together creatively. And um, so it started off with Tim inviting composers and I would invite choreographers and we would show up and dance together, uh, perform together. And that was exciting because even though it was very, it was very bifurcated. It was very like musicians, dancers, um, and we worked really hard to uh, undo that um, sort of bifurcation. But it, it's, it was, it's pretty hard. Uh, it's really hard. So you know, musicians want to hear each other and see each other, so they're over here. Dancers need a lot of room, so we're in front of them over here. So it was already the conditions that made it what it is were showing up in the form and uh you know music accompanying dance that kind of thing so that was always something that in the score writing we were trying we are trying to um undo those relationships between the two fields of the two disciplines um that's what it that was what it was um what it is now for me is a space where performers can get together and work in their medium uh, spontaneously with each other and I'm saying those words because uh, a lot there was a lot of assumption there were many assumptions about the way that people improvise and that meant that people could improvise if they improvised a way but there's a lot of ways that people perform music and dance and so I'm trying to think about how, um, how do you create a structure um, and a com- composition? How are you composing something? Um, but even that, I'm gonna just like stop that. And I'm not getting to say compose. So that's very, that's my postmodern dance performance proscenium based making dance for the last 30 years. is like, oh, I'm composing. Actually stop thinking about composing and just be with, just be with. And that feels different and it looks different and it has a different operating system completely. And the way it's taken in, I think, is maybe different as well. It is for me. I can't speak for other people. Um, yeah, so it's right now it's a place for me to rethink um, community and who's, who's in that community mm-hmm. and who can be in that community without having the same training as me.
0: Yeah, that's definitely, um, as I, you know, in September you had a hyperlocal down at the museum and came and and was able to see that performance, that event, that happening, and um, just the the kind of variety of approaches of being in that space, especially with the dancers, um, the different dancers that you had. It was really interesting to see those layerings going on, yeah. of of you know, difference between you and why not, for example, who's a on faculty here with us at UWM as a hip hop specialist, and and seeing the two of you kind of be in the same space together, and and it very much became about how does this how do these relationships get negotiated. Um, or yeah. explored in this time without without needing to separate from who you are, right? right? Like like why not? Didn't have to stop being a hip hop artist right. to be in this space, right? And it seems really like rich and challenging, and and sometimes really like sparkly and like exciting, and sometimes kind of muddy.
1: Mm -hmm. right
0: and that's that seems like all about the process so you know I'm curious about like so when you're setting up this space for all this to happen
1: Mm.
0: like and you talk about scores or scripts or structures or whatever word people want to use like what what do those scores look like like how how open are they how detailed are they how practical are they how esoteric are they like where do where do these fall for you in this process
1: they're different every time it's really different every time depending on how many people are there how many rehearsals we have um and where it is what's the setup what's the viewing like there what's the you know is it a is it one-sided or is it you know, people wander through? Are they moving from gallery to gallery? Are they sitting in one place? Is it outdoors, is it indoors, that sort of thing? So um, yeah, it varies every time. Sometimes it's really esoteric. And uh, I'm gonna try to not speak about a judgment or value about what each of these experiences are, because um, that is, I have to unpack that another moment. and sometimes they're very functional. And in the series that we did this summer at at the Milwaukee Art Museum, there were a lot of players. And we usually have, well, we started off with no rehearsals, like in 2014, when I started doing Hyperlocal, uh, we just showed up. And it was like 15 minutes before, it was like, okay, we're gonna do a solo, you're gonna do it, great, great. You at the end, a group at the end, great, go. Um, and it was just decided on like that. And then I started thinking, let's have some rehearsals. Let's make this a practice. How do we develop a language between this group of people? And so we would try that out and and it had many different permutations. Um, but this last one, because it was such a big open space um, and a space that welcomed people to walk by and take it in and for people to walk by and stop and watch, and for people to arrive with the intention to sit and watch, and so I that those scores, and you're against this sort of monolithic sculpture building and the ocean of Mich- Lake Michigan, <laughs> Michigan, uh, it was felt really um, hard to anchor into that space. So that was that. Those scores were really about how uh, we make uh, group landscapes and how those group landscapes um, move people through space as a, a kind of a, yeah, spatial anchor or net perhaps. And then uh, where do people drop off for these sort of solo voice moments, duet moments? Um, so that was a byproduct of uh, responding to the environment that we were in. Uh, usually it's they're a little bit more esoteric, like what are you thinking through these days? Let's think about what's going on in society and you know, whatever, grab something political or something about relationships and then make it concrete with some kind of task. Um, Yeah. So it has many different, different versions. And that's sort of the fun part I think for me is because I love language and I love thinking how language is reworked through the body and how the body reshapes language. Um, And I just love the relationship of those two. So that I feel like that organizational part of Performing improvisation is a really creative one for me as well. It's really poetic and what's where the philosopher in me likes to have fun is writing those scores and thinking, thinking through those words, how I can take them into the body.
0: Yeah. Well Maria thank you so much for taking time today we're going to kind of leave it there i think but i feel like just we just like opened up this box and like i'm taking notes and i have so many questions here so i know i want to ask you questions i, now. I know I know, <laughs> I know so maybe in the future we can have another conversation um, and kind of restructure the score of this conversation even and yeah. see see how we can play with that but um, again thank you so much for taking the time this morning and um, It's always so great to talk to you and dig into these things.
1: It's really great. I never have a chance to think through and be slow with, uh, reflecting on the ideas and holding them in my hands again. And it's really lovely to do that with you, Daniel. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Yeah, of course. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Bye -bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Maria Gillespie. I found it so insightful and thoughtful and and was really great to kind of dig into that with a colleague as we are both kind of working with many of the same students. So I hope you can kind of take a lot of what she said and imagine how to bring it into your own life into your own practices or maybe if you just know Maria or know her work it just illuminates things that she does in the world. Anyway, uh, that's all for this week. Please stay tuned for upcoming episodes. They may be a little sporadic as we hit the holiday season, but, um, but there's some more coming along, and hopefully you will join me for those. All right, take care, and until then, live spontaneously.